Here with me to discuss the 2012 elections and American foreign policy, our panel of experts. Around the table are Susan Glasser, Editor-in-Chief of Foreign Policy magazine. Welcome, Susan. Oh, thank you so much. Carol Doherty, Associate Director at the Pew Research Center. Good to have you with us. Good morning. And Jennifer Rubin, columnist and blogger for The Washington Post. Welcome. Nice to be here. Before we get started on the first of our discussions this hour, let's hear from our reporter Josh Rogers of New Hampshire Public Radio. He's been spending time among the Republican voters who'll cast the first ballot in the 2012 presidential contest. If one were seeking a crowd with an appetite for strong American leadership on foreign policy, this dinner in Nashua, hosted by the City Republican Committee, would seem the place. John Bolton, George W. Bush's former U.N. ambassador, was the keynote speaker. We see the administration perfectly willing to withdraw from Iraq, draw down American forces in Afghanistan for no military reason, but simply to meet the president's own arbitrary timetable. Bolton's hawkish message, including a call to strike Iran if it were on the verge of developing nuclear capability, was surely what some came to hear. Mechanical engineer David Hunt says the U.S.'s long-term security demands a foreign policy that never shrinks from confronting Islamic extremism. It, it has to be a total war, economic, political, religious. This is a decadal, if not a centuries-long war. It has to be thought of in that way, and unfortunately our political cycle does not easily lend itself to that. Talk to rank-and-file voters here, and it's clear that Republican thinking on foreign policy may be at a pivot point. Since 9-11, it's been driven largely by an aggressive attitude towards engagement abroad. In 2008, Senator John McCain rode support for the Iraq troop surge to his party's nomination. But four years later, isolationist currents within the party appear to be gaining strength. Even Republicans like Dale Kuntz, who says he's always favored a hawkish approach abroad, think the nation's economic challenges require a change. Kuntz supported the wars in Afghanistan and Iraq, but now thinks the costs of those conflicts, which are now the longest wars in U.S. history, has become prohibitive or even dangerous. The problem we've gotten ourselves into, though, with the deficits and the debt, is that we really can't afford to do what we used to do to uh, use the threat of American involvement because people know we're going to be going to war with borrowed money and it's not a good situation. If there is one area of U.S. international policy where many GOP voters do feel certainty, it's Israel. What a lovely day to celebrate Israel. Amen. On this Wednesday night, a rally called Stand with Israel has drawn a few hundred people to a park in downtown Manchester. Man, 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 take us back onto the land. Staffers from several presidential campaigns are passing out leaflets to a crowd that's thick with Tea Party activists. From the stage, politicians like William O'Brien, Speaker of the New Hampshire House, proclaim that the U.S. and Israel share a fundamental affinity. Our bond with Israel stems from a shared love of freedom and the history of our peoples who have immigrated to fight for liberty and democracy. These shared values make us natural allies. For some Republicans, Israel is more than just a political cause. It's also a spiritual one. You know, having read the Bible, it's clear that uh, Israel is the apple of God's eye. And a lot of people believe that if Israel falls, America will be next. Greg Saltz, a truck driver by day, helped organize the Manchester rally. 
He's an evangelical Christian who backed Ron Paul for president four years ago, in part, he says, because the Texas congressman promises to limit, if not end, military involvement abroad. Saltz doesn't know who he'll back this time, but he does know what he wants, a commander-in-chief who will shrink the U.S.'s footprint internationally, but also be willing to go to war for Israel. You know, there's really no precedent for us going there militarily, but if it hits the fan and if Syria attacks again and, and the Hezbollah and, and, and Jordan and, and Egypt, you know, I would hope that, uh, that we would send uh, somebody over there to help defend the only true democracy in the Middle East. Thought I'd die an old man back in my hometown. They gave me this plot of land. Symbols of patriotism and reminders of military resolve are standard fare at Republican political events. This chili festival, put on by a local Republican women's group, is no exception. The man inside, he cried the day they brought me home. They folded up a flag. But despite the playlist, heavy on odes to sacrifice in the name of liberty, the talk on this sunny afternoon was almost exclusively about the economy. I mean, that's people's priority. You know, I don't think they can think about foreign policy or focus on that if they're worried about losing their job. Phyllis Woods is a state delegate to the Republican National Committee. She's had audiences with all the 2012 Republican presidential candidates and is a fixture at right-of-center gatherings of every stripe. I think just about everyone is ready to dial it back a notch. You know, I really do. Don't you? I mean, isn't that the sense of it? And I think that the Democrats must be also saying the same thing, wouldn't you expect? Perhaps. But it must be said that not every Republican is entirely comfortable with that. Gordon Humphrey, a former U.S. senator, was standing a few yards away. I'm honestly disturbed that we're hearing so little about foreign policy and a tiny bit of a dovish tenor to it all in the campaign thus far. In the 1980s, Humphrey was instrumental in funneling millions of dollars in U.S. aid to the Mujahideen fighting the Soviet Union in Afghanistan. Humphrey says the case for an interventionist foreign policy remains persuasive. It's a lot better to keep the enemy, if you will, off balance on his own territory than to give them an opportunity to catch us unawares. Um, And I'm hoping that the candidates will be a little less um, timid in expressing the same point of view. But at the same time, Humphrey's wearing a baseball cap bearing the logo of his pick for president, Texas Governor Rick Perry. And Perry's emphasis so far has been mainly on domestic issues. Yet looking into the distance, Gordon Humphrey says events overseas could still change the focus of this race. For America Abroad, I'm Josh Rogers in Concord, New Hampshire. Carol Doherty, were you surprised by any of the answers you just heard from New Hampshire voters? And do you, do you think them atypical, given the numbers that you're looking at? No, not at all. They, they, they reflect, uh, certainly, Republican views nationwide. Republicans are cross-pressured. Uh, we ask a question about peace through strength, which, is, of course, is a classic uh, Reagan uh, principle. Most Republicans still embrace peace through strength uh, as, as a foreign policy principle, but most also want to roll back military commitments overseas to reduce the deficit, so they're cross-pressured. Jennifer Rubin, when you watch some of these candidates' forums, some of the biggest applause lines of the night involve 
extracting the United States from overseas involvement. But I didn't hear a lot of that from our voters in New Hampshire. In fact, I think some of this is overplayed. If you look at the top contenders and even some of the people who are not the top contenders for the Republican nomination, these are all people who, by and large, do embrace a forward-leaning Reagan-esque foreign policy. Uh, Rick Perry, uh, yes, he has concentrated on domestic policy, as the segment indicated, but some of his strongest speeches and his biggest applause lines have been for Israel. He has been quite clear, for example, on uh, providing F-16s, the most uh, modern ones, to Taiwan. Uh, He certainly is in no sense uh, an isolationist. And the individuals who have embarked on a a more isolationist uh, tone, if you will, uh, are not doing very well. So although I think when you ask individuals, um, what is your top priority, you'll get a very low uh, number for foreign policy. In fact, these things do matter because they convey a certain tone and they convey a certain set of values that are very important, uh, not the least of which uh, are those amongst uh, Christian conservatives who take foreign policy very seriously. Susan Glasser, we, uh, we heard from New Hampshire Republican voters Uh, A former U.S. senator lamenting a dovish tenor in the forum. We heard of uh, one speaker talking about the need for total war against Islamic extremism. And one man saying, look, we used to project our power around the world, but now we're a little wary of going to war on borrowed money. Not necessarily no longer hawks, but maybe exhausted hawks, no? I do think we're seeing an adjustment inside the Republican Party, and in a convergence, if you will, in aspects of both the right and the left in this country, increasingly perceiving the conflicts in Afghanistan and Iraq in the context of our current economic tough times. And I I, I think that regardless of where the frontrunners in each party uh, are positioning themselves, it, it would be a mistake not to acknowledge that that's a shift in the tenor of the political conversation this year. But given the mix of what a Republican Party in transition has to say about these questions, how does a candidate fashion his appeal to this kind of ambivalence? Well, I I think, you know, look at Mitt Romney as a very good example, uh, actually, of how carefully they need to calibrate their responses. Uh, Romney uh, is a candidate, once again, he was four years ago as well. He's a much more carefully calibrated candidate when it comes to America's presence in the world in this election season than he was in the 2008 primaries. And I think that speaks to the shift in the party around him. Romney, as we all know, is is nothing if not attuned uh, to the delegate shifts in the weather inside the Republican electorate. I'm Ray Suarez. You're listening to Election 2012, Voters and Foreign Policy on America Abroad. We'll be back in a few moments when we'll hear from voters in Iowa. 